Good morning and welcome to our second service on Sunday mornings. We have two services, the first of which we devote to Bible prophecy in our weekly prophecy update. And second service is our verse by verse study through the Word of God. Now, last week we finished Titus and today we are going to begin in Philemon. And our text will be verses 1 through 7. We'd invite you to join with us and turn there at this time. Uh, before we jump in though, I do want to mention for the benefit of those of you that are online, uh, we have an amazing team and they have just done a few things to really help uh, with our website at jdfarag.org. One of which is um, we now have the Bible studies on the new site. And you can find those under the Bible sermons tab, which is at the top of the menu. So all of the teachings are now available uh, at jdfarag.org. Also on the top menu bar, you'll find the resources tab. And under it, you can select support. It will take you to the support center, which has frequently asked questions. It also has how-to instructions, as well as a search and submit a request feature. But uh, at the bottom of the page, and I have it uh, highlighted in the red circle, you'll find the link to the new mobile and TV apps. And if you select that, it will take you to this page, and you can download the apps on your mobile device. If you have an Apple, you can download the app from the iTunes uh, app Store. You can also download it from Google Play. You can also download it from uh, Amazon, the Amazon App Store. And for those of you that have Roku TV, you can download our channel directly from the Roku Channel Store. And everything now is there for you. You're going to get sick of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's right next to the channel that airs America's Most Wanted. You can't miss it. <laughs> anyway, uh, praise the Lord for that. All right. Can I ask those of you that are able to stand? You can follow along as I read. If not, where you're seated is fine. We're going to begin in verse 1. You'll notice there's no chapter breaks. You know why, right? There's no chapters. So we'll talk about that more in a moment. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always, verse 4, thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all His holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith 
may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love, verse 7, has given me great joy and encouragement, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Wow. Let's pray. If you would join with me, please. Lord, thank you for this portion that we have here before us in your word this morning. Lord, that's why we're here this morning. We're here because we want to hear you speak in and through your word into our lives. And Lord, when you do, we want to have ears to hear. We want to have hearts to receive. We want to have eyes to see what it is that you desire to show to us here in this passage. So Lord, will you do that for us? Will you speak to us? Will you minister to us? Will you show to us what it is that you have for us? Your servants are listening, Lord. So speak, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you. (laughs) So the title I chose for today's teaching is actually in the form of this question that I would like for us to answer. And the question is, why is this in the Bible? Uh, Odd title, but good question, right? Why is this even in the Bible? I mean, it's only 25 verses in length, no chapters. And when you turn to it, and this probably happened, nobody noticed, don't worry. When you turn to it, you, it's kind of (laughs) like, you missed it, because it's like one page, and oh, there it is. Oh, missed it. Back. Oh, there. Oh, doesn't even fill both sides of my Bible. It's that short. What's the point? Why is it here? Well, we know that all Scripture is God-breathed, right? So there's a reason that it's here. But it's a very, very short letter. And it's matched only by Jude, which interestingly is broken up into 25 verses as well, just like we have here in Philemon. Now, I have a confession to make, and don't look at me all weird. It's nothing salacious. Isn't that interesting how our minds immediately go to something just, you know, unthinkable? Here's my confession. I was thinking about just sort of doing a (laughs) drive-by. I mean, I still was going to teach verse by verse through Philemon, but I really wanted to hurry up and get to the book of Hebrews. (laughs) What? Why are you laughing? (laughs) But God, as only He can, and is always so faithful to, slowed me down, even stopped me dead in my tracks, and showed me 
why we have the book of Philemon in our Bibles. And oh my goodness, I mean, it is packed full. So we're going to take our time. No, this is true. I was actually only going to do verses one and two. I mean, there's just so much in the first two verses as we're about to see. But there's so many life-changing truths that are woven into the fabric of this intensely emotional letter from Paul to Philemon. And when I say intensely emotional, it's intensely emotional. I don't know if it's possible to overstate just how rich and full this letter is as it relates to the issues that we face in our Christian lives. Issues like forgiveness and restoration, character and reputation, discerning one's situation, just to mention a few. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to share with you the events that led up to the Holy Spirit inspiring the Apostle Paul to pen this letter to Philemon. It all started with this brother that Paul had led to Christ, Philemon. He was a very wealthy man, actually, and lived in the city of Colossae, so much so that he had servants in his household. And one of these servants was a guy by the name of Onesimus. And we're going to be introduced to him, Lord willing, next week in verse 10. But the problem starts when Onesimus runs away from Philemon, his master, and actually, to make matters worse, he steals from him and then runs away. And you have to know that in that day, that was a very serious matter. So much so that the master in Rome at that time in that culture could actually put to death a runaway slave. As the Lord would have it, Onesimus runs some 1,500 miles away to Rome. And somehow, we don't know how, he comes into contact with the Apostle Paul. Now, some have suggested that Onesimus would have known about Paul, known that Paul was in prison there in Rome. It could very well be that Onesimus sought out the Apostle Paul. That might explain how he came into contact with the Apostle Paul. There's another possibility, and it's that Onesimus could have very well been caught stealing again once he got to Rome. And he ends up in prison, not just any prison, the prison where Paul's at. And not just that prison, but the same cell. No, think about this. It's possible. Do you imagine? Paul, you're going to get a, a new cellmate today. Oh, really? Cool. Can't wait to meet him. Share the gospel with him. Because you know that's what Paul did, right? So here comes this new cellmate. Hey, 
What's your name? Onesimus. Oh yeah? What are you in for? (laughs) Stealing? What are you in for? Oh, preaching the gospel. Hey, where are you from? Oh, Colossae. Colossae? No way! Hey, do you know a Philemon? Hey, does not God do things like that? They're called divine appointments, right? Yeah, I know Philemon. In fact, that's why I'm here. (laughs) Well, again, we don't know how. We just know that. And we also know that Paul leads Onesimus to Christ. Now, he's a brother in Christ. But now we've got a problem, because he's also a runaway slave who stole from his master. And this is why Paul seeks to bring about reconciliation with his dear friend, whom he loves so much, Philemon. Enter the text before us. Paul begins his appeal to Philemon concerning the restoration and reconciliation with Onesimus, who's now a brother in Christ. That's kind of a game changer. And in so doing, we can make some important observations which should prompt us to ask ourselves some very important questions. So what follows are three such questions that I found. You might find more, but they leaped out of the first seven verses. And I think we would do well to consider them. So let's get started. First question, how do I see my current situation? Here in verses 1 and 2, we're told that Timothy was with the Apostle Paul in writing this letter to Philemon. But notice, he's a dear friend of theirs, and he's their fellow worker, co-laborer. These guys were really close. And oh, by the way, as we'll see, Lord willing, later on, Paul led Philemon to Christ. How about that? In verse 2, we have this reference to Apphia, who it's believed to be Philemon's wife, and Archippus, who is believed to be Philemon's son. And we're told that he had a church meeting in his home, which again would suggest that he had the means and a large enough home to have a church meeting there. But I want to draw your attention to something that Paul says here when he starts his letter off. It's actually very unusual, and it's uncharacteristic. He refers to himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Not an apostle, none of that. A prisoner of Jesus Christ. Why? Why would he start off like that? I would suggest that the reason Paul refers to himself in this way is because he sees and assesses 
his situation in the right way. Let me explain. Stay with me. Paul knows he's a prisoner of Christ, not a prisoner in Rome. He's there for Christ and not because of Rome conspicuously absent from any of the epistles, especially those that we affectionately refer to as the prison epistles. There's no mention of Paul protesting. I'm innocent. I'm here unjustly. No, he's not protesting. He's preaching. He knows God has him there. He's a prisoner of Christ. In other words, Paul's imprisonment, and please listen, because I don't want you to misunderstand me when I say this. Paul's imprisonment wasn't because of who was in office politically, but because of who is on the throne sovereignly. Let me say that again. Paul knew he's in prison for Christ. The Lord put him there. He's there because of Jesus Christ, not because he was falsely accused of a crime for which he did not commit. He knows that. He sees it that way. It's not because of the political regime, the Roman rule, that particular party that's in office. No, I'm here because the Lord has me here. That's why. You'll forgive me for the bluntness with which I say this, but I think we do err greatly in not seeing adversity, even persecution, through the lens of God's sovereignty. We will only have peace when we understand that we're in the situation we're in, as difficult as it might be, because God allowed it. God allowed it. Never think for a second, I know this is a sort of a silly way to illustrate it. But can you imagine God in heaven, when they arrested and imprisoned Paul, going, when did this happen? Oh, you guys get down there. What happened? God allowed it. God allowed it for a reason. And Paul knew that reason. I would venture to say that had God not allowed Paul's imprisonment, many would have never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you know what else? We wouldn't have Ephesians in our Bibles. We wouldn't have Philippians in our Bibles. We wouldn't have Colossians in our Bibles, and we would certainly not have Philemon in our Bibles. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, Ephesians alone, Ephesians alone 
a book that God has used over the years in the life of many a Christian, that one epistle alone. And had Paul not been in prison, you know what Paul would have done probably. He would have never been confined, slowed down, stopped. He would have been out beating the streets for Christ. So I got to inspire Paul to write a letter. How am I going to do it? The guy is just, you know, a crazy man. I know, let's have him arrested and <laughs> imprisoned. He'll have time. He'll have time. And that's when he can write these letters that I'm going to inspire him to write by the Holy Spirit. This actually ties into our second question, and it's, do I pray preemptively? I'll explain this. But in verses 3 through 5, Paul, true to form, greets Philemon with his signature greeting of grace and peace in that order. You'll never see it, peace and grace, as one affectionately referred to these as the Siamese twins. They go together in that order. And here's why. You'll never know the peace of God until you've embraced the grace of God first. There's no peace unless you know the grace of God. And it even goes further, because you will not live the Christian life if you are not under grace. Because if you're not under grace, then every time you sin, you will not have the peace of God. Because it's not grace. It's not what you do, it's what He already did for you, instead of you. It's all of grace, and you can have peace. The Christian, I it's the hardest way to live, and it's no way to live the Christian life. When you don't have that peace, that you're good with God because of God's grace. It's grace and peace. But then he makes mention of how often he thanks God when he prays for Philemon. And he even tells us why. It's because of his love for people and his faith in Christ. And so Paul's saying, Philemon, I, every time I pray, which you got to know, Paul prayed a lot. When Paul says, I'm praying, Paul's praying. Not like us, you know. You know how that works, right? Hey, I'll pray for you. Yeah, all right. You know, we, we just, it's, hey, hey, we'll, we'll pray for you. Really? What's that look like? Lord, bless them. I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. And don't leave, because we'll all notice if you try to walk out right about now. (laughs) I realize this can be easily missed at first read, but notice that Paul is praying for him even though everything seems to be going good with him. Isn't it true 
that if we do pray, it's usually whenever somebody really needs prayer. Reminds me of that story when the wife goes to the husband and says, honey, we need to pray. To which the husband responds, is it that bad? Oh, so prayer is the last resort, not the first response. Why is it that we seem to only pray when it's a got to and not so much a get to? We only pray when <laughs> the going gets tough, the tough get praying kind of thing. Not Paul. Paul's like, brother, I love you so much. And every time I pray, I pray for you, and I thank God for you, because of your love for God's people and your faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray for you. I wonder what he's praying for Philemon. I think it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you for this, brother. Thank you for him. We have in the Middle East, in my Arab culture, a saying, it's actually a prayer, and it goes like this. God, keep them for me and me for them. I think maybe Paul prayed that way for Philemon, keep him for me. I need this brother in my life, and keep me for him. It goes both ways. Have you ever thought about praying preemptively? It's a preemptive attack, if I can say it like that. You're going on the offensive. You're in front of it, ahead of it, Lord. And is this not how Jesus taught us to pray? Preemptively. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's preemptive praying. That's praying in advance for God's protection, God's direction, prayers of thanksgiving. That's how He prayed for Philemon. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 16 through 18, Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray continually. What? How am I going to do that? Like when I'm driving. Don't close your eyes. That's, <laughs> you can pray all the time. It's an attitude of prayer. It's, it's continually praying all day every day. I find myself sometimes, <laughs> needs to be often, more often, but I, I, because I'm kind of an auditory learner, you know what I mean by that, where you kind of, this, you know you're an auditory learner when you go uh, to like Costco and you're telling yourself out loud what you need to get. So you have to hear yourself say it. That's a don't look at me like that. It's not just me. I know it's not. I know you guys do that too. But because I'm an auditory, you know, have that bent, I, I pray out loud. And there's merit to that too, by the way. And so I'm, I'm talking to the Lord. He's my friend. He said, call me friend. And I can talk to him anytime. And here's the thing, he's always available. I mean, he's never busy. I don't have to go through a secretarial screen. 
I don't have to leave a message. I can get through to Him anytime about anything. And so I find myself throughout the day, especially in traffic. I'm not going to talk about traffic, so don't worry. <laughs> I've talked enough about traffic. But um, you're always talking to Him about everything, anywhere, anytime, pray continually. You know, when someone comes to mind, it could very well be that God has brought them to your remembrance. So you can, and it doesn't have to be this marathon, our Father which art in heaven, quick complicating prayer. It's just talking to the Lord. Lord, I, hey, would you, would you bless my brother, bless my sister? Lord, I know they're going through a really hard time, and maybe that's why you brought them to mind. Would you just work that situation out for them? Or would you just be gracious unto them? Bless them, bless them, Lord. Praying continually. <laughs> I tell you, prayer changes the prayer. That's a play on words. Did you catch it? Prayer changes the prayer. It changes you. By the way, this is why Jesus would say, pray for your enemies. <laughs> yeah, no, huh? I'm not going to do that. They're my enemy. No, pray for them. And pray for those who speak evil of you. Oh, I'll pray for them, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, kill them in Jesus' name. That's my prayer. Pray for those who despitefully use you, speak evil against you. <laughs> okay, how and why? How? And at first it's, it's, it's not an easy do, right? You start, you know, Lord, bless them. But you don't really want God to bless them. You're kind of doing a whole Jonah thing. <laughs> he didn't want Nineveh to repent. In fact, he said, I'm going to go up here and just kind of watch God torch you guys. Can't wait. You know, he was actually mad at God because they repented. You have to understand the Ninevites were just, I mean, merciless and evil and brutal and wicked. They were the enemy, man. You, you, they get saved? Yeah, no, uh-uh. Not going to happen. But here's what happens when you start praying for your enemies. You begin to now care about how they're doing. And all of a sudden you have an investment in God blessing them, and it changes your heart towards them. And it won't be long before you cannot stay angry with them when you're praying for them, because your heart changes toward them. So, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, just the mere mention of their name raises your blood pressure, right? But when you pray for them, and then the mere mention of their name, now, oh yeah, it changes everything, changes you. 
He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, we always want to know what God's will is. This is God's will. This is His will. It's the will of God. And there's always something to thank God for in all of your circumstances, as difficult as it might seem. This is actually talking about Philippians, another prison epistle, chapter 4. This is actually the cure for worry and anxiety. Did you know that? Paul says, here's how to worry about nothing. Pray about everything and thank God for anything, and you'll worry about nothing. That's how because that's how God's wired us, you see. Because the word thank comes from think. And the more you think about it, the more you realize you have so much to be thankful for. And when you start focusing on all that you have to thank God for, it changes the entire complexion of whatever situation you're in. It changes you. It changes you. Ephesians Chapter 6, verse 18, Paul writes, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. The implication being that there's different kinds of prayers. You've got intercessory prayer, you've got all kinds of prayers and petitions, requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Do you get the impression that we're to pray continually, always, every time, every day, all day, all night, <laughs> every night? Yeah. And that's why. It's not, never imagine it as if God is saying, I'm going to get that JD to pray one way or the other. I'll make him a man of prayer. By the way, have you ever prayed, God, make me a man of prayer? Be very careful with that prayer, because <laughs> God will answer that prayer. Wait, did you just say, make me a man of prayer? I could just picture the angels giving charge, concerning me, going, oh, no, no, you didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Here it comes. Yeah, I'm on my knees now. I'm praying now, aren't I? It's never a thing of God making us pray. It's God working in our lives in such a way that we will do everything we can to pray. And so now prayer becomes the first response instead of the last resort. I mean, you immediately, almost by default, go to prayer. Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, and here it is again, with thanksgiving. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of this, but prayer is thanksgiving. Start off that way. Start off. Lord, thank you. First of all, Thank Him for the little things. 
that we take for granted. Oh, we take them for granted, right? Especially living here in Hawaii. Oh, we take so much for granted. It's a beautiful, thank God. Thank you for the koalaus. Thank you for those doves that are singing. I don't like the minor birds so much, but thank you for them, I guess, too, you know. You know, they just make such a screeching noise, but I digress. But thank you for the birds. I thank you that I have hearing that I can hear them. How about that? And when you start that way, what you'll find is that your prayer will just come to life. And here's, here's what will happen. And I know because I've experienced it in my own life. And please, I, I hope I'm not coming off like I'm this mighty man of prayer. I mean, who among us could say, yeah, I, I pray enough. You do? Can I see you afterwards, if that's the case? Because I don't know of anybody that could ever pray enough. I mean, it's really the opposite. I need to pray more. I need to pray more. But here's what will happen. When you start praying, prayer brings about prayer. In other words, the more you pray, the more you pray. I hate to say it like this, but for lack of a better way of saying it, you get addicted to it. And <laughs> there's actually a neurological explanation for that, because it releases all these God-given hormones and chemicals in your body, serotonin, endorphin, dopamine. And I always get a kick out of the secular, you know, research. Research finds that meditation is calming and has medicinal. I'm like, dude, how much, how many millions of dollars did you get a grant for, for that? It's right here. I could have told you that for free. I mean, God's Word tells you that. That's the way God made us. Prayer. It's this last one that I want to spend the remainder of our time on. I think you'll see why here in a moment. And it's this question. Am I an encouragement to others? <laughs> I hope you'll kindly bear with me on this one. And the reason I ask you that is because it speaks to what I would argue is one of the biggest issues among Christians today. What I'm speaking of is being the Christian who is encouraging one another, loving one another, being a joy to one another. And how about this one? Refreshing the hearts of one another. I can't get over, and this is what I mean by intensely emotional. I can almost imagine, because I know Paul cried. He tells us that he does. He, was, he, he cried like a man. I mean, <laughs> he, he was a crier. I imagine him being very emotional when he's writing about this. Philemon, you know, I love you so much. You are such an encouragement to me personally. 
You're an encourager. You, you encourage me? Paul, you, you're the one. You encourage me? No, you encourage me? And he says, you refresh, refresh the hearts of the Lord's people. You know how we say it, right? Oh, that's refreshing. They're refreshing. That's a breath of fresh air. It's the antithesis of stink. Instead of uh, talking stink, you're a breath of fresh air. You're very encouraging. I like being around you. I want to be around you. Uh, if I see you coming, uh, I'm going to walk to you, not run from you. I hope nobody came to mind when I said it like that. But that's the problem, isn't it? And we're not just talking about the in-person, as it were, dynamic. Let's talk about social media. What kind of posts are we posting? Are we encouraging one another at a time <laughs> when, like never before, as Christians in this world, we need encouragement? Are we someone who brings joy? Do we refresh the hearts? of people. I, I have to say this, and I don't have notes, so oh boy, I always uh, look to the Holy Spirit to season my words with grace. And, but this is just from the heart. One of the most grievous things to me personally is to see Christians attack other Christians online. I was thinking about this on the way here this morning, and I was thinking about the Apostle John. You want to talk about a very loving man, had a very sensitive heart. And, you know, he is, it's almost like he's pleading, you know, love one another. Be, be loving one to another. Just love each other. You know, as parents, how it is when your children are fighting with each other, does that not just tear you apart? I mean, I remember when our boys were young and they would fight. It was just, I, I couldn't take it. I couldn't handle it. Can you imagine how much more our Heavenly Father when we argue with each other, fight with one another, attack each other, falsely accuse one another, talk stink about our brothers and sisters in Christ, I, I truly believe that it just breaks the heart of God. It just grieves the heart of God. I think we have to be honest with ourselves. 
And we have to ask ourselves, am I the kind of person that people want to be around? Or am I the kind of person that people avoid? Am I the kind of person that people block on social media? My posts aren't encouraging. They're attacking. I'm not refreshing. I stink. And that should never come out of my mouth, and that should never be posted on my social media. I have to say this as well, and again, I just appreciate you bearing with me on this. I have to ask the Lord to search my heart on this, because I am very prone to take the bait. And that's what it is, by the way. See, the enemy knows this. The enemy knows Scripture better than we know Scripture. And the enemy knows that the litmus test by which we will be known as disciples of Jesus will be by our love one for another. So if it's by our love one for another and how we treat one another that they're going to know that we're disciples of Jesus, then wouldn't it stand to reason that if we're backbiting and gossiping and talking stink and arguing and fighting with each other, that they would question. And make no mistake about it, the world is watching. And they're looking at this Christian attacking this Christian. And then you want to share the gospel with them? Or you're attacking them? The enemy wants you to do that. Because if He can get you to do that, you do His dirty work for Him instead of Him. He can just sit back and watch the show. He's got you doing His bidding, arguing one with the other, fighting, posting horrible things, calling names, calling Christians names. Are you kidding me? And there's these YouTube videos that slander other Christians. The whole ministry is based on that. And again, I have to guard my own heart because I'm very susceptible to taking the bait. Oh yeah. All right. Are we doing this? Let's do this. It's like the Lord said, no, 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 no. It's a trap. It's a trick. Don't take the bait. Yeah, but did you hear what they said about me? Yeah, I, I actually did. It's even worse than that. That's just the post you know about. There's more? Yeah. It must be really bad. It's, you have no idea. And we want to fight back and defend ourselves. I've heard it said that if you defend yourself, the Lord will let you. 
more better, let Him be your defense. Because He can do it a lot better than you. And if you try to do it, you will make it so much worse. (laughs) Let the Lord do it. Let the Lord take care of it. There is coming a day, and I'm talking about us as God's people, as Christians, that we will give an account for every post on social media, every word that we spoke. We will give an account for it. I'm so thankful for 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because it's pictured as this wood, hay and stubble that burns in this fire. All of those things. My pile is going to be very big, (laughs) probably a lot bigger than yours. It's going to take mine a little bit longer to burn. But all of those things, the wood, hay and stubble are going to burn. I got a lot of wood, a lot of hay, a lot of stubble, a lot of things that I've done, said, not edifying, not refreshing. I want to be that brother in Christ that, man, just that breath of fresh air, that, that encourager, that, that people want to be around, that never have anything bad to say about anyone. I mean, even if you try to get them to, they won't go there. Oh, and come on, we've tried, right? So what about uh, so-and-so? Oh, you know, they're just, you know, praise the Lord, they're my brother in Christ. No, I want some dirt on them. Right? But they will not. They will not slander them. They will not speak against them. That's another man's servant. Do not judge their heart. That's between them and the Lord. Yeah, but what a, no. what's that to you? I think about when Peter starts complaining to Jesus about John. Apparently Peter was very unhappy about what Jesus said about John. And so he approaches Jesus, kind of takes him aside, kind of like he did at Caesarea Philippi. <laughs> Remember that time when Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter says, Jesus, come here. And he rebukes him over my dead body. And then the Lord's response is, get thee behind me, Satan. I think sometimes the Lord needs to say that to us. So Peter takes Jesus aside. You know what Jesus' response was to him? What's that to you? What's that to you? That's between me and him. What's that to you? I tell you, I hear, I hear those words <laughs> in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit more often than I care to mention, <laughs> where the Lord just says, what's that to you? You keep your eyes on me. You don't worry about them. I'll take care of that. Yeah, but they did No, stop. What's that to you? And stay away from the keyboard because, right? There's that reply. I'll reply. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. 
Why don't you stand? We'll have the worship team come up. I want to just say one last thing here. Would you agree with me that there has never been a time like we're in now for us as God's people to be an encouragement? Would you agree that people are very discouraged right now, and rightfully so with everything that's happening? Don't you want to lift them up, edify them, encourage them? Don't you want to be somebody of whom it could be said, man, they're just such a breath of fresh air. The aromatic, they just, their fragrance of Christ is, is on them. And whenever I'm around them, I'm so encouraged. I'm so edified, so built up. And, I, and here's the other thing. I feel their love. They love me. They really love me. That was Philemon. That was Philemon. I want to be a Philemon. I want to be a Philemon. Don't you? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Just these first seven verses, and already just so powerful, so convicting in a good way. Lord, I pray that you'll take this that we've heard in your word as you've spoken into our lives, and that by the Holy Spirit we'll take it to the next level. Please, Lord, we don't want to just leave this here and go about our merry way, like James would say, being just a hearer of your word, like someone who looks at themselves in the mirror and then walks away and forgets all about it. Lord, I pray that as we've seen ourselves as you see us in the mirror of your word, that we would do something about what we just saw here, that we would make the changes by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because I don't think there's a one of us here or watching online that doesn't want to be a Philemon. Thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.